Insights to Live By, the podcast, discovering new pearls of wisdom to enrich our lives. Just when you thought you've heard it all, you've discovered more insights to live by. I am your host, Matt Zinman. Please allow me to extend a very warm welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me for what is sure to be more than you might ever expect about putting virtual interns to work. But first, if you ever wondered about the relationship between your conscious mind and your subconscious and how it affects our quality of life, then be sure to check out last week's guest episode with Gail Glasner-Torsky about upgrading your subconscious and how that can help us get what we really want. And Gail is a world-renowned hypnotherapist and helps us debunk the myths and skepticisms about the art and science of tapping into one's subconscious. Now, with that, let's jump right into the show. Now, since 2002, when I first went out on my own, uh, starting my marketing company, there has been a common theme, the motto or credo or adage, whatever you'd like to call it, that there's no substitute for experience. Now, for my part, I go back all the way to 1984 when I started my first internship with a local radio station, KYW News Radio, and really just immediately found uh, a great fondness for gaining experience in that way. Uh, As I got off to college, I interned with Warner Brothers Studios for four years, uh, releasing films, uh, not the least of which being Lethal Weapon, Uh, the original Batman with Michael Keaton. We're going back a ways. I also interned with the Philadelphia Phillies. And then my last internship with a marketing agency led to my first job. And so through my career, it's always been really important to me to give back and visit the schools and speak to students. And then through the uh, agencies that I work for, I ran the internship programs, and at this point in my career, just the years at UB, I have managed and mentored well over 200, I think somewhere in the vicinity of 300 interns, which sounds crazy, but the years do add up. And so that led me to start the Internship Institute uh, back originally in 2005, I've been in the internship space, and then the nonprofit came about in 2007. Now, the Institute, as I've described in prior shows, is a nonprofit that helps employers to custom design and essentially optimize their internship programs to achieve their business goals. So if you think, much like schools educate and prepare students to be work-ready, the Internship Institute educates and enables employers to be student ready and create that pipeline, that opportunity 
of what are to be mutually valuable experiences. And so by way of further background, the Institute really does three things. We do uh, what's called internship installation and management training. And in essence, building high-performing internships uh, to make experience matter. And I also developed a essential workplace skills certification training course and also through a grant that we had uh, do veteran reintegration and, and mentoring programs. So you know, really it is up to the employer to provide various opportunities, be those for the more traditional college students or veterans or disadvantaged youth. And the same thing goes here as you look to decide whether an internship is right for you. Now, one of the things that we've done to try and remove the barrier for really any business company of one to develop and optimize an internship program is something called the Internship Installation Kit. This goes way back to 2005. That's the first thing I did. In fact, it started with a CD-ROM which is kind of odd to say at this point. Uh, but it really is essentially a staffing management system. It's, you know, here you go. Everything you need to run a program from planning to recruiting and screening and hiring, the onboarding and orientation process, all the project supervision and uh, performance management and evaluations, and then even work skills training and how-to guides. It's very comprehensive as you uh, probably have enough sense of me to expect that it is. And then for the skills training course, that's covering professionalism, productivity, communication, critical thinking, and emotional intelligence. So when we talk about harnessing the power of internships, as an employer, naturally you're looking at gaining increased productivity and it's a low-risk test drive of sorts for what might be potential future employees. You can broaden your capabilities uh, in even a larger company. Uh, positive morale boost, reduce your labor costs, and build talent equity and loyalty and the creativity and all the fresh ideas and reduce the brain drain that occurs by not allowing the college students to leave the area when they graduate uh, as opposed to staying local where companies need them. So let's move on to the top five myths about internships. One, people think that they don't have time to have interns. And if you really get down to it, if, if an internship and having interns is right for you, you really don't have time not to have interns. And I'll explain more about why. Now, a lot of people think that having interns is too much work for too little in return. Again, it's a myth. Um, finding good interns is a crapshoot. That internship programs are only for larger companies. And, of course, less so these days, uh, but companies think that they can't have interns virtually. But now the pendulum has swung all the way. Um, we did a grant um, back in 2007, 2008, and we're able to get lots of good data around how these programs performed. And what we found is that a single supervisor can gain over 200 full days of work productivity a year by 
essentially trading their time to manage and mentor interns than trying to do everything themselves. And if you break that down, it's about one hour of supervision for every six hours back. And uh, I do think that that's still a conservative figure, but that's quite a gain. And what it really comes down to is to really flesh out what it is that you would have interns do. Before you even try to recruit or even consider doing it, you want to take a work inventory. And that might cut across areas around marketing or uh, business management or gathering intelligence and things like that. But also focusing on core skills like research, writing, planning, phone or, you know, some sort of specialized computer skills. And that can include social media. So for research, you know, just to keep a finger on the pulse, because often research is one of the things that goes right out the window when budgets are tight. And so having interns look into industry associations or events or the trade publications and doing some of that level of public relations to get placement, you know, even conducting surveys, compiling reports, doing competitive intelligence and gaining more statistics uh, about those competitors and even developing trainings for employees. So all of that involves research. Some of the other things that you would consider in and around writing. Now, certainly there's all kinds of content that's constantly in need of development for social media, especially. So interns can get involved in editing and doing the first drafts of just about anything you could have them write news releases or write for your internal publications if you're a larger company website content certainly uh, doing case studies and testimonials and again social media posts so that's a lot of work that you can delegate if you do it right certainly around planning you know, if you have events or you want to do speaking opportunities or things around advertising placements and whatnot, all of that comes into play where interns can be helpful. For telephone skills, I don't necessarily recommend that you throw an intern onto the phone. It's something that you want to work up to, and it's not for everybody. So you really want to be in sync with the interns about what is the work that they really want to be doing and how they feel about being on the phone. But this is also an extension of, you know, implementing the research if you're doing uh, those kinds of outreach uh, to gain competitive intelligence and so forth. And again, as far as any kind of computer or technical skills, uh, I've had interns learn WordPress and help develop the site. Uh, anything in and around social media and the different platforms and helping to figure those things out. They're often a lot better at that than uh, I could ever be. And, of course, there's any number of random tasks. So, you know, it's your business. You should generally know what it is that you could have interns do, but I wanted to give you some framework for what that could involve. And, again, in our resources, we have you know, general topics and projects around, you know, 51 ways to ignite your back burner or project menus for 25 different industries uh, that uh, make it really easy to take the think work out of it for employers to 
figure this out for themselves. Now, overall, I think there are six critical factors to the success of a program. And first off and foremost is that you have to have the CEO buy-in and have the organization buy-in because you can't ram a program down anybody's throat. They have to be on board. Uh, Next would be a dedicated program manager. Someone has to own the ball. And typically that's going to be an HR person uh, in any larger company. Committed supervisors. Again, they have to want to do it instead of being told. Next, involved mentors. Again, if you have executives in the company that might be less involved, then having that buy-in and cohesiveness is important by having them serve as mentors. And then, as I started to mention, it's important to inventory and plan projects before you recruit. And the reason is, is because once you have that defined need, you know how to write the job descriptions. You know the talent that you're looking for in order to fulfill those specific projects that you've laid out. So that's really important. And then the continuous improvement. You know, even after all these years and and so many interns I've been working with, I am constantly trying to improve how I do what I do. Now, along those lines, I also think it's important to have multiple interns. That's where you get the productivity multiplier. Because if you are going to go to the trouble, you being, let's say, an individual supervisor or, again, solopreneur, to map out all of these different projects, then it's not going to be much more for you to supervise two interns instead of one or really up to four. You know, there are some thresholds there. But then the other thing is, is that depending on the different projects that you have, not every intern is going to be the right intern. So you can delegate the right projects to the right intern and essentially customize the experience for them while also leveraging their talents for your productivity. So again, you also want to go back to recognizing why it is that you are having interns in the first place. You know, do you have certain strategic goals around converting them into full-time employees versus productivity or diversity, uh, depending on the situation. So make sure that you're taking it from a strategic mindset as well. So if you look at a tale of two interns and best practices, let's say you've got intern John and intern Jane, and John will be best practices. So let's say that he is the president of his entrepreneur club at school, and Jane is the client's niece. And John, he was recruited for these defined needs, whereas Jane is kind of this unwanted favor that you are doing for that client. Uh, When John arrives, you are providing a formal orientation. And for Jane, you are giving her a cubicle where the storage is and uh, telling her to sit around and, you know, not do much then. You know, John will hit the ground running and Jane, basically it's, you know, we'll let you know. John has a mentor with an activity plan. Jane is mentorless. John 
has formal work skills training. And for Jane, well, what's training? And lastly, continuous improvement versus continuous stagnation. Now, when it comes to virtual internships, you know, they're not for everyone. Um, certainly on the student side, it, it, it's not unlike them taking remote classes uh, in much the same way. You know, they need to be highly organized and self-motivated and have that innate hunger to learn and have a genuine interest in your business and be used to working independently. If they are procrastinators or if they have weak organizational skills um, or let's say that you're not able to put the structure in place for them to succeed, then you know it's not right for you. Next, there is a certain threshold for managing interns. So for a program manager, at most three to five hours a week. For project management, it should be no more than 60 hours, which is to say having two interns at 30 hours each or four interns for 15 hours. Like you really have to work your way up to that. But once you get to that, there really is like a point of diminishing returns where you try to do too much and then things start to fall apart. And I've definitely found this to be the case over the years. So no more than four interns per supervisor. So that brings us to recruiting. And Again, you're looking to write an effective job description based on the defined needs around the projects that you fleshed out. And it really is, you know, who will meet those needs? You know, what will they be doing? When will that happen? You know, why should a student choose you? And what is it that you need to do to have students apply? And it's important you can rely on career centers. You know, what I found is that no two schools do really much of anything the same way. And I have had some schools with career centers that have been very helpful and others I found it better to go directly to departments and or professors individually. So in that initial targeted recruitment, you know, you can post on the listservs uh, and the job boards. You can reach out to anyone you might have an established relationship with, like a professor. You can go into the school and let's say lecture at the college classes uh, and get to know the students personally. They naturally have job and intern fairs and information sessions. You can look to colleagues about their interns, and maybe they'll recommend somebody who has interned with them before. Uh, I've also had great luck directly targeting student organizations like the Entrepreneur Club, for example. And then you've got your social networking sites, and I've reached out to interns on LinkedIn. Most of the juniors and seniors do have LinkedIn profiles. Now, personally, I have found it most effective to affiliate with one school and forge the relationships there, and it'll just make it easier from that point moving forward. In fact, if there's any one easiest way to recruit, if you do it right, then you'll never have to recruit more than once because you can then task your interns to recruit for you. Now, when you're interviewing students, it's also important that you want to draw them out. You know, you can't quite grill and intimidate them in in the way that a regular job interview with someone more experienced might go. And 
you want them to be comfortable and open up and see what they really have to offer. Now, one of the things that I do, certainly after the interns are hired, then they get what's called a skills intake questionnaire, which goes through those core skills like the research, writing, planning phone, and computer skills to find out what is it they like to do, what is it that they want to be doing and do more of, and that really becomes kind of the compass for how, as the internship gets underway, I decide who does what project, and again, it aligns with them. And then once you have those projects, at least generally assigned, I like to have it about the first two weeks already loaded up during orientation, it's also a good idea to develop a learning plan and go through job responsibilities and what the goals are for the student. And setting all those expectations up front will really set the course for a successful program. You know, figure that orientation is going to be somewhat of a growing pain. And again, in terms of constant improvement, you know, you can give the interns an assessment afterwards. Ask them to give you some feedback about what their experience was. You know, did they understand everything for one? And so one of the ways that I found best to approach the virtual internship, especially given that during the academic term, uh, you're really only looking at maybe 15 hours per intern is to do what's called the 555 approach where five hours are going to be you know either with me or in group sessions and work uh, and having them do that together Uh, five hours would be for virtual office hours where between their class schedule they're setting times where essentially they're clocking in and I know that's when I can reach them as well as when they can reach one another. And then the other five hours are really good for just flex time. And it's also important for, I know we're kind of in the weeds here, but that's really where the importance is for being effective around a weekly meeting structure. And I try to have the meetings on Mondays uh, as it happens this term, just because the schedules, we do it on Wednesdays. So it's all right. You get halfway through the week and then you can kind of make any adjustments for the rest of the week and then it carries over uh, in that way. And then I do what are called delegation briefs if projects are going to be more involved. So if I have four interns uh, for a weekly meeting, then I might have intern one come and we'll meet for 15, 20 minutes up to 30 minutes And then whatever we talked about, intern two comes and I can keep intern one busy and then meet with intern two and then interns three and four show up. We'll do a group session, then cut intern one and two loose, keep intern four busy while you meet with intern three, cut intern three loose and then intern four. And you can really do that in under two hours, uh, sometimes less, sometimes a little bit more but certainly well worth the investment when, if you think about it, you've now invested two to three hours for, in the ideal scenario, 60 hours of work you know, for what it takes for you to delegate that. Now, one of the things that are really important is 
that the interns are responsible for asking questions. And I tell them, I'm not a mind reader. If you don't understand something, you really need to let me know. And after we go through that, just because things go really fast and I might not be able to keep track of everything, I'll just ask each one of them to send an email with just the bullet points of their understanding of what it is that they're going to be doing. And that's a good place to ask any follow-up questions. And then it's also something that flows into them tracking their hours. I do have them keep timesheets most of the time, uh, depending on the intern and how things are being managed that particular session. Sometimes I'll actually assign uh, a team leader role for one of the interns so that if any of the other three have questions, they can go to that senior intern and that one intern then follow up with me. You know, maybe it's just another feedback loop that can help everybody. Now, for delegation overall, you just want to be proactive, not reactive. You know, maintain that steady project pipeline and balance short-term and ongoing projects. I really find it's great to have the interns really sink their teeth into things. So rather than going uh, an inch deep and a mile wide, keep the projects an inch wide and a mile deep. Let them really go and get that experience. Again, match the work skills with the intern's interests and customize their experience and while you're doing that, enhance your productivity and keep them accountable along the way. Make sure that they're doing what they want to be doing as well. You know, just encourage and provide the open communication. Sometimes on a more involved project, I'll have like a touch point call uh, or Zoom for that matter and go over some things and make sure that they're not spinning their wheels or going down rabbit holes or, you know, on and on. You know, still it's important to be their boss and mentor and not their friend. Generally speaking, for every given project, like I had mentioned the delegation brief, I break it down into four or five areas. You know, for one, explaining the project itself and the purpose of it. You know, they really need to understand the context of why it is they're doing everything, how it fits into the big picture. And most important really are, well, what are the deliverables? You know, be as specific as you can about what it is exactly that you expect them to do and come back with and what the end game is. You want to give them a time budget as well as set specific deadlines. And if for whatever reason, any one of them can't get something done by the time you need it done, you either need to redelegate it or depend whether you can decide to push back your deadline. And, you know, as easy it is to overlook one of the most important parts of productivity is to express appreciation. Show it early and often. Find ways to reward them. Do something fun. Write them personal notes. Uh, Certainly letters of recommendation are uh, well-earned. And, you know, the ultimate appreciation, if it is applicable, is to hire them. You know, earlier I mentioned mentoring. And it really is essential uh, for larger companies. And even for you know, my part, I've had my board members be mentors to interns and just get them involved. The structuring an activity plan is probably the most important part of 
the mentoring because if there is no structure, it just really falls apart. The, the student thinks that the person is too busy and then the mentor is wondering why they're not hearing from the student and then next thing you know, the semester is over and everyone is disappointed. All right, so just want to keep this top line and hopefully going through all of that gave you a good enough sense as to how do you go about managing interns, whether a program is right for you, whether and how to get mentors involved. And there's all kinds of resources also available on the website at internshipinstitute.org. And I surely invite you to go check those out. And hopefully all of the above will help you make internships matter. All right. With that, next week, my guest is the incredible David Meltzer, who is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing, and he formerly served as CEO of the renowned Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency, which was the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire. And his life's mission is to empower over 1 billion people to be happy. And this simple yet powerful mission has led him on an incredible journey to provide one thing, and that's value in all of his content and communication. And so I believe David is also someone who can speak to what he calls quantum manifestation. So that is sure to be interesting. And along those lines, be sure to keep in mind that putting interns to work can be a mutually rewarding experience and a sound business investment. Thank you kindly. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Insights to Live By. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Matthew Zinman and join our community at InsightsToLiveBy.com. Wishing you and yours an enriching day, and we'll see you next time.